Hi friends, welcome to the Start Thriving podcast, where trauma survivors come to thrive. Each week we will explore topics surrounding self-discovery, emotional processing, and reclaiming your power from past trauma. I am your trauma healing, deep feeling, dose sipping, nervous system regulating host, Chelsea Bartell. I am so happy to guide you home to yourself. Hello and welcome back to the Start Thriving podcast. If this is your first episode, thank you for being here. If you're a repeat listener, thank you for being here. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. The vibe is a little bit different, actually. Usually I record this during the day and I'm looking out the window, but I have like this LED strip and it's on this orange glowy light. I've got a candle going. The vibe is perfect in here. Um, Firstly, I want to start with celebrating a client win, which is a new thing that I'm doing because these people deserve to be fucking celebrated because they're putting in the hard work to heal from what they thought was not possible to heal. They are revealing these wounds to be healed and to be opened up and to be explored and to be disarmed which is fucking brave work and I think that that deserves some honoring and some airtime on my podcast so my first client that I'm celebrating every single call that I start with one of my clients I open up by saying what have you noticed in this last week which is the time between our sessions and this client in particular went from I can't get out of bed I want to postpone work every day I don't have the energy, the capacity, the determination, the motivation to do any of the things that I want to do in my life. I'm just stuck in my bed. I don't want to take care of myself. I don't want to shower. I don't want to get up. I don't want to take my dogs out. I'm stuck. That's how she came to me. And I believe we're about five sessions in and she has just massively made progress. This call that she came to, I asked her, what are you noticing? And she says, Chelsea, I just feel different. I'm spending less time thinking. I'm going to the gym. She went from not not exercising, not even knowing how to muster up the inspiration or motivation or energy to, to work out. And now she's going to the gym three times a week. She's walking her dogs at night, twice a day. She wants to just be in action. She wants to be doing something. She says that I feel like a totally different person. She was like, Chelsea, I'm a totally different person. You don't even know me anymore. And she said she feels more calm and she can address important adult responsibilities in her life. She actually enjoys showing up at work, whereas before she would dread it and find any reason to call in. But now she enjoys showing up at work. She's more present in her body and in her everyday life. She said, I'm just more interested in my life. I'm just more engaged. And I think that is so beautiful and something so simple that gets taken away from us when we live in these states of survival after experiencing something traumatic or chronically traumatic. That simple gift is everything. I am more engaged and interested in my life that's poetry. That That's fucking beautiful. Um, so that's one of my clients' experiences. Another couple of great wins that came from my Fuck Survival Mode group program. These two women came to me 
both very stuck in their life, feeling very stagnant, feeling like things just weren't working and they were exceptionally hard and didn't need to be. They had experienced chronic chaos, pain, struggle in their upbringing, and they just didn't feel like they were living the most optimal, potential-filled life. They felt like they were just they were just kind of treading water or watching their life as an audience, not really being in their life, feeling into their life, experiencing, dreaming, achieving, having joy in their life. They just kind of felt like they were moving through the motions and they were sick of it. Both of these women um, I had given access to all the modules, all the tools, which by the way, there's 40 plus guided somatic tools that you can plug and play into your customized nervous system map, which you'll create throughout the program. And they had access to all the tools, all the information, all the puzzle pieces, but there was still something missing. They still felt stuck overwhelmed. They couldn't even start. They had all the pieces, but there was still that inability to take action. And we addressed this on our call. And I said, okay, no more thinking, no more talking about it. Let's move. And we did three somatic movements, a total of six minutes. And by the end of it, they both felt completely shifted. Both of them had smiles on their faces. They were giggling. They were looking a lot lighter, a lot more vibrant. And I asked each of them how they felt. And my, the one client, she said, I feel more capable. I feel more ready to return to my life. And the other client that I asked, she said, I feel so much clearer. I feel like the world looks different. This is the power of these nervous system regulation tools. Your life will literally look different. You are operating in a different place in your brain when you're approaching life through survival. And you're looking at life through the most restrictive, limited, fearful, pessimistic lens. And I know that weighs heavy on you. I know that's not what you want your life to look like. You want to look at life and see an abundance of opportunities. You want to see places to experience joy and feel comfortable and, you know, make new connections easily and better communicate in your relationships, feel more playful in your life, have the courage and ambition to go after your dreams. I know that's what you want. So if you're ready to achieve that, You'll want to join my program, Fuck Survival Mode, which you will still get a very, very good discount if you use the if you use the link below to apply for a spot in my next round of Fuck Survival Mode. With all that being said, we're gonna jump in today and talk about the fawn response. The fawn response is our chameleon response. This is where you're going to find masking fear of missing out, people-pleasing, codependency. You're going to find inauthenticity, obligation, over-consideration or caring for other people. Um, I heard this this said once, 
as responsibility dysmorphia. That's fucking powerful. Responsibility dysmorphia, where we are feeling overtly responsible for things that aren't ours, that aren't within our control even. So the phone response to help this make sense and where it lives in your nervous system and the message that your nervous system receives when we sense danger. And I'm, I know we've talked about this before, but I want to clarify the context that I use danger is anything that our brain would perceive as a threat. That blueprint looks different for every single person. We all have this database of experiences that were dangerous or painful or challenging or hard or caused us a lot of grief or strain or stress or fear. Everybody has a different database. So everybody's registration of danger is going to look different. For some of us, it might be somebody rejecting our opinion. For some of us, it might be showing our face on social media. For some of us, it might be going to the grocery store, telling the waiter that our food is wrong. These little moments objectively are safe to some people, but might register as dangerous in your brain because you are trying to protect yourself. You are using that database of information that you have about whether you were safe or dangerous. You're comparing this moment to that database. And if you find a match or even a similarity, boom, you're in that threat response. You're in that place of survival mode. And now you're responding through the fawn response. So when we're in the, the fawn response, after we've received, okay, this situation I'm in is dangerous. And this doesn't happen at a conscious level. This is your nervous system picking up on facial cues, vocal tone, body language, sounds, senses, the, the distance between you and another person, the environment. Your nervous system is picking up on so many cues right now that you may not even realize. But it's picking them up and it's verifying, is this safe or is this dangerous? Is this safe or is this dangerous? And again, that's not happening, happening. <laughs> that's not happening at a conscious level. That's all happening below your consciousness, okay? So once your nervous system has received, okay, this thing is dangerous, it says, I'm going to employ this survival strategy, fawn, and I will appeal to the danger by molding myself into what is less of a threat and acceptable to them. That is why I said this is the chameleon of these survival strategies, of these trauma responses. Because our nervous system wants to adapt. We all want to adapt. We all want to intelligently survive our surroundings. And sometimes if that means becoming less of ourselves and molding into somebody else so we can fit in, so that we can look pleasant and convenient and dependable even if it comes at the cost of ourselves that's what we'll do so we will then shift into that state of of people pleasing and being what other people need us to be and in this state in terms of the car the metaphor of the car if you haven't listened yet to my shutdown response and the freeze response you'll want to listen to those but essentially when i talk about the nervous system states i'm using the metaphor of the car to explain how activated or unactivated we are inactivated inactive (laughs) um 
So when we are looking at the fawn response, how this registers to our nervous system is our nervous system is going to be just about equal parts of go and stay, gas and brake. Oftentimes there is a little bit more sympathetic activation. There's a little bit more anxiety here. There's a little bit more stress, a little bit more cortisol racing through the body, but there's also the element of freeze. There's also the element of I am stuck, I am limited, I am willing to do whatever this person needs me to do. And then we have that sympathetic activation, which helps us follow through with whatever that person may have needed us to do. So how this shows up in our body as sensations to help you start to build awareness of what that feels like in your body, it's oftentimes going to show up as this rapid heart or breath rate. We're going to feel our cheeks get flushed. We might turn red. Our vision might even go blurry. We might feel dizzy. We might feel lightheaded. That would have to do with us breathing very rapidly. We might also notice that our face might be smiling or looking pleasant or looking happy, but we don't feel connected to that. We don't feel like smiling. We don't feel happy. We might laugh out of obligation just to kind of get out of a conversation or skirt a weird comment. And we're often going to feel a tightness in our neck and our jaw, especially because this is a center of our self-expression. And oftentimes we are limiting our self-expression. We'll also notice that we get a little bit of stiffness and rigidity through the center of our chest, probably through our upper back, sort of like we're bracing, like we're tense, we're very tight. We'll feel contraction in our muscles. Again, like we were discussing in the freeze response, there is this element of, I want to go, but I feel like I can't, right? I want to say no, but I feel like I can't. I want to state my opinion, but I feel like I can't. I want to behave this certain way. I want to express myself this certain way, but I feel like people will reject me. So there's a contraction in our muscles, but a contraction mentally as well. We might also feel queasy and we might also feel like we're getting the cold sweats, like our palms are getting sweaty. We're getting a little bit shaky. We may also notice that our thoughts start to reflect or have a certain flavor and many of them circulate around the idea of people don't really know who I am. I don't know who I am. What's my purpose? What do I enjoy? What's important to me? I feel bad unnecessarily if I don't do blank or blank or feel this or behave this way. There's this inherent feeling of guilt that we are always betraying someone or we are always doing something wrong or we are always behaving in a way that somebody disagrees with. There's this inherent guilt, this weight of guilt. Like, we're just a bad person in general. I hear a lot of my clients describe, I don't know, but I just feel bad. I feel bad if I do this. I feel bad if I don't do this. I just feel bad. There's this sense of 
self-punishment, right? Because we believe that we owe it to other people to be what they need us to be, but we're also betraying ourselves at the same time. And it's this very confusing internal chaos. Some of the other thoughts that we have while we're here, you know, feeling like, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that responsibility dysmorphia. It's all my fault. One of my clients, she was really struggling with this fawn response. It was a really frequent place that she responded from. And she said, Chelsea, I was always doing things that nobody even asked me to do. I just put this unrealistic pressure on myself to perform a certain way or show up a certain way or do a certain thing that nobody asked me to do. But then I wanted praise and I felt guilty for wanting praise when nobody asked me to do it. I know that some of you are nodding your head right now. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I am there. It fucking sucks. Some of the other thoughts that I want to mention are believing that we are burdening other people with our stuff. We always have to be the caretaker of other people. That's another root of the fawn response is being a parentified child which deserves an episode of its own but in the shorthand a parentified child is essentially a child that was asked too big of responsibilities too young needing to be our parents emotional support or financial support or raising our siblings those are just a few examples but oftentimes parents don't set firm boundaries with their children and then over ask of them expecting them to just show up and and fill in the role of the parent that they themselves cannot fill we also experience a lot of perfectionism when we're in the fawn response so much so that it's fucking paralyzing to do anything Because there is that terrible, devastating fear of if I fail, the people that accept me right now won't accept me. Or if it's people that, you know, we don't know and we're trying to complete a a project for approval. We are terrified so much so that we cannot even start. And that bleeds into imposter syndrome. Say we do get the courage to start, and then we're like, I fucking know nothing. Why did I even do this? How am I even here? Some of the things that go along with the fawn response, how this emotionally feels, the feelings of the fawn response, oftentimes we're going to feel embarrassed, easily embarrassed, for no reason. And that's because that, that sense of self is really teetering on such such deep insecurity such deep sense of I don't belong right and when we speak up or when we when we start behaving a certain way or when we express ourselves or when we have boundaries we would just rather not because at the fundamental core of it we just want to be accepted so we might feel embarrassed when we ask a question how many of you when you were in school When you were in class, it was like devastating to be called on 
or to even think about raising your hand to answer a question because what if you were wrong? Devastating. And it just paralyzed you and ate you up and it, it's, it was awful. I know I've experienced that before and that was fucking awful. Overall, we're just going to feel insecure about ourselves, about the way our clothes are, about the way our hair is. When somebody's talking to us, we probably can't even be present for the conversation because we're thinking about this thing that we said two minutes ago that they probably thought was weird. Or they're going to notice that we stumbled over that one sentence. We're just so caught up in our heads thinking, having this magnifying glass on ourselves. We're also probably going to be voted as like the nice guy, nice gal, nice person. We're going to have that stereotype hanging over us oh man that person is just so nice they're always doing something for everybody else they are always this and this and this it's not to say that there aren't nice people out there but we do have to account for some of those experiences being ways to please to appeal to belong When we respond from the fond response, we will also just feel generally fearful. We're going to be overly considerate of other people. We're going to feel unwanted. And we're going to feel like we just don't belong anywhere. That we're outcasted. Some of the behavioral cues that will let us know that we are in that fond response. And again, everybody's nervous system is like a fingerprint. It's going to be a little bit different for every person. But... The things that I've noticed within myself and in my clients, these are the behavioral cues that I have really picked out. We're going to find that we pick at ourselves a lot more. Really, really honing in on that self-image like I was just talking about. We might unconsciously start picking our nails. We might bite the inside of our cheek. We're going to start picking at our hair, our clothes, adjusting ourselves, readjusting ourselves. Um, I had one client, she said that she used to bite her hair and she said she didn't even realize that she was doing it and this would be an unconscious manifestation of picking at ourselves it's just an attempt to self-soothe and and get that charge out of our nervous systems we might also feel that we need to save people that we need to sacrifice ourselves for other people and that some point After we've made many, many, many sacrifices, we hope that one day they'll turn around and see us. We will be running on empty for a long fucking time and then eventually just hope that somebody will notice all the sacrifices that we've made, which very rarely happens. We'll also notice that we're fidgety, that we have a lot of tension through our jaw and our neck, like I mentioned. We might even like hunch forward, you know, the shoulders kind of go up to the ears. Um, We're again, kind of protecting ourselves in that like startle reflex. We might notice that we are masking. That's a really popular term I've heard going around on social media. Um, You know, like for me, the way I always saw it was, you know, I just had to have this always agreeable look on my face. And I remember in high school when I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore because it was exhausting then what happened was then I, I let my face express what was really going on and I always got people telling me, Chelsea, why do you look so mad? You look so mean. You look so angry. Are you okay? What's going on? And now I can appreciate this, but I would much rather look angry than look inauthentic. 
If that's what I was feeling and if that's what my face was saying, I would much rather project that into the world than something that is not authentic or not true to me. But that's, it's a journey to get there. It's a journey to unravel this fawn response, which like I was mentioning before, is exactly what we will do in the Fuck Survival Mode program so that you can show up as that most authentic version of yourself. So that you feel that inner security and stability and safety in your nervous system to be able to to bring your true self forward, to peel back all of those masks and those layers of who you are not. The last couple things that I want to mention here in behaviors that we might notice when we're in the fawn response, we're going to send a lot of mixed signals. People are going to feel that indecisiveness from us. We might also notice that we start to speak really fast and we start studying over words because all of them are blending together because we just look at the, the spotlight. We might notice that we want to get out of the spotlight. So we just rapidly rush through our sentences just so that we can get the attention off of us. We might also notice that there is a lot of like squeakiness, like a, like a pressure in our voice. Our voice might break, it might drop off, we might go, go high pitch. And this is because our vagus nerve is deeply connected to our vocal cords throughout our neck. And when we are not receiving proper signals through our vagus nerve, it's going to constrict in our throat, therefore affecting the tone of our voice. I know you've heard people that you're like, oh my God, they just have a beautiful voice like Morgan Freeman, right? Everyone could fall asleep if he was narrating a story for you, right? He has a very soothing, calm, level, grounded voice. Whereas some people, we've had conversations or maybe we've seen them in the media and we're like, oh my God, I don't like their voice. It just, I don't like it. It's, it's sharp or it's raspy or it's high pitch. That is because we are attuned to vocal tone. Our vocal tone can communicate how safe we are to other people and vice versa. Like I said, our nervous system is picking up on all of these cues verbally and non-verbally to make sense of whether we are safe or whether we are dangerous or in danger, rather. The last thing that I want to mention about the fawn response that I think is really interesting is that we will often use being flirty or flattering or complimentary or overly chatty when we're in the fawn response because that is the quickest way to diffuse somebody if we are flirty and and playful and flattering then we are able to diffuse them and they no longer see us as a threat or they're no longer going to judge us because we have made it about them we have made it we've taken the focus off of ourselves and put it onto them and i also while we're right at this point i also want to say this about the fawn response Sometimes the fawn response is seen as this kind of doe-eyed, people-pleaser, kind of sheepish, shy, we're just doing what other people need us to, and really at, at a deeper level, the fawn response is a manipulative response. It is, how can I manipulate you into liking me? So that I am not in danger. How can I appeal to you? How can I get acceptance, praise, recognition 
from you so that I am not in danger. And therefore we morph into whatever everybody else needs us to be, not as the real, true, authentic version we could be, which everybody wants from everyone. And, and when I say that, I don't mean to say that to shame you. I do say that to bring clarity to what staying in this response will do. It distorts other people's perceptions of you and actually keeps you more disconnected from other people because they are not getting the true version of you. They cannot meet you if they are not getting the true version of you. And if you continue to to camouflage yourself and mask and be what other people need you to be, they will never have the opportunity to fully hold you, to see you, to hear you, to accept you, to love you, to praise you, to recognize you. I say that knowing how big of a burden this fawn response has been on you. But that is exactly why I have created Fuck Survival Mode. I want to help you unravel each of these nervous system states. Fuck Survival Mode is not just about the fawn response. It's not just about the freeze response. It's about all of the states of your nervous system and shaking loose each of the anchors in each of those states. What I mean by that is... We have certain experiences, especially when we have CPTSD or we experience complex trauma or chronic trauma, we have likely been in each of those survival states at one point or another. And we have stories, we have certain memories, we have certain experiences that are anchored in each of those states. Meaning when, let's say, um, let's say an experience I had perfect. When I was going to school and I was learning how to read and to write, I remember coming home from school and reading this page of a book that I had been sent home to do for homework. I was, I remember reading this page to my mom and she was like, oh my God, Chelsea, you are so good at reading. You're so fluent. And I remember receiving all this praise. I remember them just like, showering me with love and being like, oh my god, this is amazing. Another time, I remember in the third grade, we wrote poems. Everybody had to write a poem and we had a poetry night and we shared our poems in front of all of our other peers and in front of the parents. And I remember sharing my poem and my dad, he was like, your poem was the best by far. It was so well written and you performed it so well. And now I think that has so much to do with why I pursued poetry. Why it felt so natural to me. Why it's something that I care so deeply for is because I received that early message in my life that this is something valuable. This is a valuable skill. We love when you do this. We are creatures that are biologically wired for connection. Connection equals praise, recognition, love, support. And when we get that, we remember that and we will be likely to repeat that thing. If we didn't get that, if we had a very critical parent or if we had a parent that um, this is a common experience that I can relate to having a single parent, my mom couldn't be everything. She just couldn't. 
that's a big fucking job for a single mom. And I know that I felt if I stepped up, if I did more, that my mom would be less stressed and then she could give me more love. Therefore, I started helping get my sister ready for school. Or I would start helping make her lunch. Or we would take care of the dishes after dinner. From a very young age, we started doing these things. And I know that that directly correlated to if mom is less stressed, she will be more available for me. And that distorted my perception in relationships for a long time because I I became the caregiver. I was like my friend's therapist everybody came to me they're like Chelsea listens so well and she gives such great advice which is a very strong skill set of mine now but it very much got to the point where it was too much it was a burden I was tired of carrying everybody else's shit and pretending like I didn't have my own pretending like I you know I couldn't share that with other people because then I thought they'd think I was a burden and then I wouldn't be accepted and then they wouldn't want to tell me their stuff because then they would have to hear my stuff. It comes with all those those distortions about how people perceive us, how they want to love us, how they want to interact with us. It very much distorts our world. Responding through any of these survival strategies, shut down, freeze, fawn, flight, fight, responding through any of those places distorts the world in front of us. It constricts, it limits, it makes things look scarce, it makes everything look like a very intense big risk or everything is urgent or everything is hopeless. It distorts the world in front of you. And now, now that I am free from all of those patterns, don't get me wrong, I still respond from those places from time to time. We don't ever want to get rid of the fawn response or the flight response. We don't ever want to get rid of them because they're intelligent survival strategies that we can use to survive. But as long as they are not places that we live from every single day, then we have the opportunity to be in the upper registers of our nervous system. The ventral vagal system, our social engagement system, If you know anything about polyvagal theory, Dr. Stephen Porges talks a lot about the social engagement system. And the way I've come to understand it and the way that I teach it in Fuck Survival Mode is that we have three states in that ventral vagal system, which is the safe, connected, um, grounded part of your nervous system, essentially. The way I've come to see it is that we have play, we have stillness, and we have thriving. And when we can be anchored into those states... When we're no longer responding from the survival brain or from those the strategies, we can then be connected deeply to ourselves, deeply to nature. We can have intimacy in our relationships. We can have honest, level, loving communication. We have creative freedom. We feel inspired. We just get into to flow state and we can just create and and live through our passions we can be fulfilled in our lives we can look at the world and see abundance of opportunities we can be well with our finances we can be well with our eating habits with our bodies that is the ventral state 
and when you can break free of these survival patterns, solely living from these survival strategies, when you can break out of survival mode, you can anchor yourself into that ventral vagal state. Reshaping your nervous system out of those survival states and into your ventral vagal system is absolutely possible. My life looks one fucking 80 from what it used to. I wake up in the mornings and I am energized. I am lit up. I am excited for my day. I have all this creative energy and all this, all this like want to dance around my kitchen while I'm cooking myself breakfast, which I would normally skip. And I'm drinking my coffee. Excuse me. Everyday dose. Not coffee around here. We drink that mushroom coffee. I am singing to my cats, I am playful, I am vocal about how I love and I get to have deep conversations with the person that I love, I travel, I am financially well. My life just fucking works, but it's because my nervous system fucking works. If you're ready for some of that, I want you to apply for fuck survival mode below. And with that, I will see you on the next episode. 